Hi guys, welcome to Idea Reads, a podcast by the University of Montana business students. I'm Brianna and I'm here to tell you about a book called One Million Followers by Brendan Kane. So just to do a little why why this book intro, um, I chose this book because I've just been kind of interested in um, how Instagram works particularly. Um, the way he branded this book, it has the Instagram uh, logo on it. Um, it says 1 million followers, so it's hinting at Instagram. Um, I didn't really realize that he would be speaking about pretty much every online platform within this book, which was cool. So he covers Snapchat, YouTube, Facebook, obviously Instagram, and I think that's it. Um, but um, pretty interesting. Uh, Brennan Kane, what I've learned within the book is um, he's wired pretty originally. So he is the kind of person where if he wants a post to have, let's say, 40,000 likes before he would post it, post it, he would run tests. So if it was a video, he would uh, pause the video at a certain um, time so that the image would look a certain way, like as the cover image for that video. And then he would post it on like a test site is all I can really explain it as and see how much traction it got. And then he would change the still screen and post the same video and see how much traction it would get. And he would do that like 18 different times and collect all the data and then um, he would not just stop there. He would do it again with different names for the video. And then he would finally finalize all of that before posting it on whatever platform it was meant to be for. And he would get the results that he wanted. But to him, it wasn't just as simple as posting the content. It was like a whole test. So just to set the stage for you guys on kind of his mindset and how he goes about doing all this on social media, he explains his success pretty cut and dry. Um, It does feel like, yeah, it's obtainable to any of us. Um, Would I go through all that trouble to get 40,000 likes on a piece of content? No, that's not my personality. Um, Is it wrong? No, I mean, I think it is pretty cool he does it um, for him, but not for myself. So he starts the book off kind of by explaining all of the um, celebrities that he's worked with. I think he does that just because people like celebrities, they can relate to them, they can understand them, and it gives him some credibility. So the big one that he focused in on was Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift started in the uh, spotlight really young, um, and she built up a pretty good fan following because she was super dedicated to her fans and did things like 17-hour book signings. And she did this because she understood um, the power of one super fan. Um, And I think that's something that we covered in, um, I want to say, Mario's Google Analytics course of like just having these strong strong fans can do so much legwork for you and finding them and creating them as a brand 
explore as an artist is extremely important because they're kind of like your shares on Facebook. Like they're going to tell their friends and they're going to pass it on and then their friends will pass it on and it's going to grow and grow and grow. So Taylor Swift understood that um, from a really young age and the way that Brendan Kane helped her was her dilemma was with um, releasing her albums. So when she would release an album, it um, would hit the website. This is before like Spotify and all that. And he, she had a really great website, but it was built by somebody else and it was built to just do its job and not be extremely engaging. And Kane saw that as a problem because he understood that one, um, the way that Taylor Swift's fans are kind of trained to be is extremely interactive and this is just the way the world is going so he completely revamped her website to be um 100% manipulated on her end so she could tap into it and change the color scheme really quickly or add chat rooms or do whatever she wanted like while the album was live so it became extremely, extremely engaging, and fans loved it. And then um, he not only he didn't just stop there. He um, then built like a fan chat room page, like um, just a separate site where fans could gather and talk to each other about how much they love Taylor Swift. And these sites grew and grew and grew, and um, they could also change it the way the site looked just like Taylor could. So they felt extremely connected to her. Um, and he built that whole kind of empire, if you will, for her. Um, and that was interesting. Um, and that's how he handled her problem. So um, another celebrity that he, he didn't really help her so much, but he used her as an example because it shined light on how important social media is these days. And it was um, Sophie Turner, and she's in Game of Thrones, if anyone's familiar with that. Um, And when she was trying to get her role, um, the other girl who was also trying to get the role actually performed better and was, um, excuse me, uh, a better actress than Turner. Uh, Turner admitted this, but ended up getting the role because she had a larger social media platform and Game of Thrones was interested in that because she had this ability to share, you know, what was going on behind the scenes to fans and get more traction and get more people interested than the other girl. Um, And I think, yeah, that's pretty disheartening um, just as a normal civilian to hear that a larger following could possibly get you a job, even if you're less qualified. But it makes sense. Um, I could see why a new show would be interested in that. And um, it it definitely made me feel more curious as to how to grow possibly my own platform. Um, I don't know still if that's something that I'm overly concerned with or not. But um, that was a good example that he gave. So Kane then kind of after his celebrity talks, he um, ventures into the world of Facebook. So Facebook is the easiest to grow your platform on because of the way that it is set up and uh, the way that shares work on Facebook is different than they might work on um, Instagram or um, Snapchat or whatever platform. 
excuse me, can't stop yawning. Um, so the way Facebook shares are is they show up on your feed and, um, somebody could share video of a dog and I would see it even if I wasn't that close to them, it would just show up right in front of my face. And then if I enjoyed it, I could share it and it would show up right in front of my other friends' faces. So he suggests when doing Facebook ads to do cost per share because of this. And that's just the best way to grow your content and to not let Facebook kind of inflate yourself. He's was explaining that like if you were to purchase a ad and you spent, let's say, $100 on the ad and it did extremely well, instead of getting excited and putting like 50 bucks more down to create a different piece of content that's similar to that, um, to maybe just target a slightly different group, but not completely different. So still within the target market, but hone in on another group. And um, that second piece of content will again pick up a lot of traffic because the way these ads work is they're they get the most traction in the beginning. And this makes sense because it's like new and fresh and people are clicking on it and it's engaging. Um, it hasn't been like kicking around on their screen and causing them frustration. So by just adding another piece will strengthen the first one opposed to inflating it because by adding more money then it just like, it's trying to compete with itself. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm doing a good job explaining this. Reading that made a ton of sense. It's something I personally would not have put together when thinking about advertisement. But I can definitely see why uh, that could be an issue. And um, I, I'm glad he gave a solution to that problem. So, yeah. And then um, another Facebook example he gave that I found pretty eye-opening was um, – again, target market-based, so he thought it would be cool to pull one over on rocket scientists because, again, that's just, like, how his personality is. He's really into testing and manipulating and figure things out, and someone says no. He just, like, wants to show them he can, so he created a Facebook group, and the point of the group was to drive um, rocket scientists to it, and it was for, like, a fake... Um, thing to Mars, like a fake um, expedition to Mars, and they didn't know it was fake, and he knew somebody who was a rocket scientist, so he, like, wrote down all their lingo, and so he could, like, implement these words within the page, so they felt like it was somebody writing it who was one of them, um, and they would trust them, and they fell for it, so he sent it out to a bunch of these guys and they all accepted it and they were speaking to each other within the group and getting really excited and he ended up telling them that it was fake and they were obviously embarrassed because you know rocket scientists are supposed to be the smartest people and he he figured them out so good job Brennan Kane you're really into doing stuff like that so um yeah uh, and then when it comes to videos and YouTube, he put a lot of emphasis on um, headlining it, or not headlining it because it's a video, but just how you would write the the title um, is huge, and then the still screen. So um, what I talked about in the beginning of this podcast, how he would just spend, he could spend hours or days or whatever to get the right still. 
Um, and so he felt like this is important for YouTube and captioning the correct audience and making sure that your title gives a ton of description and, um, but not too much. So the point of the title is to create curiosity where people have to click on it. Um, and if they don't click on it, then I mean, I don't know. They feel like they should have, uh, and just, making it feel extremely relevant and towards the market. And, um, I think, yeah, it again, sounds extremely self-explanatory. Mario spoke about this in our course about, um, just creating the proper headline and it sounds easy, but people a lot of times don't do it right. And I could see this happening because yeah, like you, think that this is how it sounds good to you, but you have to look at the world in a different way. And that's something that Kane is continually doing. I don't even know if he sees it from his own point of view, um, but he's kind of the master um, of, he calls it hypothesize, test, pivot. So not becoming emotionally attached to any one piece of content and discovering how you can make it for the masses um and that's just I mean that's the baseline of this book is if you do want this large platform at a certain level it's not really even yours because you've created it to appease I mean in his case a million people and that's a lot of people um I know if I was trying to make my Instagram platform appease a million people, it would look nothing like the one I have right now, um, because that's not the point of it right now. It's for me right now, and I enjoy that, um, but I don't touch a million lives, so I guess there's something to be said about that. Okay, so yeah, YouTube was weird. Um, I think it's hard because you have to get people to subscribe. That's something I've don't think I've ever done on YouTube. I don't think I've ever subscribed to a channel. I know in the beginning of every video, they're like borderline begging you to subscribe. Um, and I just don't. And I'm sorry, YouTube people. I know it's not very nice of me. Um, it's just not my platform. Um, it doesn't, I'll look it up for instructional things, but it's not how I pass time. So I don't connect with it the same way. Um, I think Instagram is 100% my platform to a fault. Um, of just letting it consume my time. Um, but Instagram seems like it it was hard. Like he he definitely gave a lot of suggestions. A lot of them did feel kind of empty, like don't have a hidden agenda. And it's like, okay, but your Instagram page has a million followers, but it's memes. So I sort of don't know like if he has the... I just don't know if I can give it to him. I just don't know if it didn't feel like he was extremely worthy of having a million followers. Sorry, Brendan Kane, outing you on my podcast. <laughs> but um, it, it was like, a, I mean, it's a cool page, but it's not authentic. It's, it's just like these little videos that he's done and reposts of tweets and, um, quotes so I think he kind of has a hidden agenda within this page 
and then he has his book that you can buy for free um, in his URL. So I think that's also having a hidden agenda, but that's okay. I'll let it slide, Brenton King. Um, but what I was interested to know more about with Instagram was like breaking through the algorithm um, and how I just think that it makes like famous people more famous and kind of keeps accounts that are not famous at the same level. Um, I don't really know that he gave too much advice to this. He did talk about how they are good for businesses, which um, I appreciated because uh, I work at Montgomery Distillery and I've been running their Instagram page and I just sometimes I feel like should a distillery even have an Instagram page? Was Instagram even built for people to consume this kind of media? I just I go back and forth with it a lot because I personally don't follow like Cafe Dolce or um, Biga Pizza or places that I go in town um, regularly so um, I'm kind of wondering like why should somebody follow us um, so he did explain you know like you can add your location and people can share it and there's free branding within that and that's a hundred percent true I think maybe that's the way I want to pivot my thoughts on it like more reposting of happy customers and just like drink specials and stuff I don't think it's the right platform for businesses especially restaurants maybe to like invest a ton of money in marketing um like a beer or whatever it might be because how much revenue can that actually generate to pay back all the investments in creating that content um unless you're like a really famous bar in New York or something but I think here in Missoula it's just we're not there yet and I think it's okay to admit that we're not there yet I don't think that it's totally a bad thing so thank you Brendan Kane for that tidbit of knowledge um he talks about Snapchat I honestly have no interest in Snapchat I really don't understand it at all um, ever since Instagram came out with the story application thing, I, well, I think before that I didn't have Snapchat either, but, um, you know, you can add ads to that and then people can pay for geotags. So that's kind of cool. Like you can pay to have like a bridal shower, like, um, little character of the bride and people can do that. Um, so they can make good money and you could do, yeah, advertisement. Um, it's not the same sharing platform. It is pretty different. And I think it is just like a different generation. Um, maybe I'm on the end of it. Um, maybe it's a younger generation than me. And um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I just don't get joy from it. I obviously read what he had to say. I just didn't really, it didn't really resonate with me as much as the other ones. So um I think his book was extremely informative. I do feel like, unfortunately, Facebook is the easiest one to make yours because the way the advertisements work or you can pay for them um, per click and then you can really dive in and read comments and follow and track and like be extremely invasive in people's lives and then create another piece of content that 100% 
targets whoever was even like um on the outskirts communicating with the first piece of content that might have not been for them um I think Instagram is kind of hard because the ads are pretty baseline like they're just there and you can click on them and then maybe not buy something I am the queen of clicking ads on Instagram and not doing anything with them so I probably cost businesses a good amount of money just doing that and um yeah, I, I think he mentioned the Dollar Shave Club, how there's just like room for people to still reinvent, reinvent the system. So I don't think you need to or should even like go into reading this book and being like, all right, I'm going to just do everything he says. No, I think you should read his book if you are into this stuff and just take what resonates with you and then flip it and make it yours. So Dollar Shave Club didn't follow anyone else's guideline. They, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they do like um, subscriptions. So you can buy your razors. Um, I think, oof, how much is it? Like five or $10 a month, something extremely cheap for razors. And they come right to your door. And that's something that no one had done before. They didn't use crazy like actresses and models to do their advertisement. They did like a little video and he talks about them. Um, and how other brands have tried to copy them, but given that they were the originals and they did it right, they got the most traction as they should. So, um, yeah, I think just do you, and if you do it in a genuine way and put a lot of work into it, maybe not manipulate little screenshots of videos and test them all day because that sounds really sad and not how I would like to live my life but put some work in uh, and don't just expect things to blow up on Instagram um, or Facebook or Snapchat whatever your chosen platform is um, and figure out how to engage with your fans I took that's a big takeaway I think a lot of successful people on social media Again, I keep saying Instagram, but it's the one that resonates the most with me. They engage and respond and are never stop. They never stop creating for the people that they're um, that are their target market. And they um, really appreciate them. And I appreciate them. I know there's a blogger I'll message and she messaged me back within like two hours. So that's pretty incredible. Um, yeah, good book. Would recommend it. Didn't love all of it. But I think it was definitely informative and helped me understand the pros and cons of the social media world and just what to take away from it and how to use it. So thank you for listening and have a good day.